0: So have you ever been challenged about something and you just didn't have the answer for it? I mean, think about it. You ever been challenged about something that you just deeply believed in? Only in the moment of being challenged to go blank and not have an answer. That happened to my cousin once. He was challenged about Jesus, actually, and he didn't have an answer. And the entire course of his life and the lives of his family were altered. All because he didn't have an answer to the challenge. And listen, I don't want that to happen to you. In a world where religions are like ice cream flavors, no flavor is right, right? You just choose the one you like. Religions are treated in the exact same way. There's no such thing as a true religion. So just choose the one you like. Don't be a fanatic. I mean, fanatics are those crazy people that think their religion is true, in their mind, the world says, you know, that, that, that would be like saying, uh, if you don't like Rocky Road ice cream, you're wrong in going to hell. It doesn't make sense to them. But what we do know is that we still have cases of mistaken identity, right? Where someone is mistaken for someone else. And that's because you are a specific person. You are you and no one else. And just like you are a specific person, so is Jesus. People can be right or wrong when it comes to the real you, Right? And in the same way, people can be right or wrong when it comes to Jesus. They can sincerely believe in the wrong guy. Making sure we answer the question correctly, who is Jesus really, is why John writes this book. And with the first words of his book, he wants us to know that Jesus is God. So, that question on the front of your program, who is Jesus really, answer Jesus is God. We saw that a couple weeks ago, chapter 1, verse 1, first phrase. Jesus is eternal. According to verses 14 and 17, Jesus is the Word. And John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. Jesus existed before the beginning began. He is before all things. If all things are right here, he's before them. There was never a time when Jesus didn't exist. And second, we saw that Jesus is equal with God. When John says, verse 1, second phrase, the Word was with God. This idea of being with means to be in the presence of it means it means closeness face to face intimately intimacy interrelationship interconnection unity Now to be face to face with someone is to be equal with them on the same level But it also to be face to face with someone also means that you have a different face than they do right You're face to face in other words, being in a relationship with someone demands that you're a different person than, you are, than the person you're in a relationship with, right? And that's the idea. The Word is equal with God. The, the, the Word is with God on an equal level, and yet at the same time, a separate person. Because the Word and God are, not, are with each other in relationship. So with these first two phrases, John is not only proclaiming the truth, but he's building fences around the truth. He's keeping out everything that doesn't describe the real Jesus. What do I mean by that? Well, the first phrase there, John is protecting us against the idea that Jesus is a created being. Even the first and greatest and highest of God's creation. No, that's not what John is saying. John is saying Jesus is uncreated. He existed before the beginning. He is eternal. And with the second phrase, John is protecting us against the idea that God is a single, solitary person. You know, kind of like the H2O molecule, right? One molecule, three different manifestations, gas-solid liquid. That is not a, a description of the God of the Bible. One person, three different manifestations, Father, Son, and Spirit. No, there are at least, from verse 1, two persons, God and the Word. Why? Because verse 1 says the Word was with God. Equal in relationship, equally a person with God. Now, just that you're going, man, that's kind of stretching my mind here. It's kind of hard to understand. I'm not really getting that. Welcome to the club. The I can't understand God fully club, right? We shouldn't expect God to fit into a box that makes him easy for us to understand. There are thousands of things we don't understand. I don't understand why feathers fall and yet multi-ton planes fly through the air. I don't understand that. But just because I don't understand aerodynamics doesn't mean I reject it. I don't understand it, therefore it must be false. What? No. And it doesn't mean I refuse to get on the plane either. I don't understand it, so I'm not getting on that plane. Forget it. Like, you wouldn't do that. None of us do that. Which means that when it comes to God, it's okay to worship a God who is higher than what we can understand, right? And if we've understood the first two phrases of John 1, 1, then the last phrase is kind of easy, right? Right? If the word is eternal, and if the word is equal with God, then verse 1, the word was God. That's the climax of the three phrases of verse 1. And the third phrase is so important that that I'm going to spend at least today on it, and maybe next week on it as well. And I'm doing that because you will be challenged on everything I'm going to say today. Everything I'm going to say is going to be challenged. And my job is not just to feed you God's word. My job is also to protect you from error. So I need to make sure you have an answer when you are challenged about the real Jesus. And that's what we're going to do today. So what does the word was God mean? Before we can discuss the challenge, that's point number one. Be clear about the meaning of the word was God. So if you're taking notes, point number one, be clear about the meaning of the word was God. You think about that phrase. You cannot say anything higher about a person than this. They're God. The word was God. To say the word was God is to say all that God is, the word is. The word God describes the word's essential qualities, his nature, his core reality, his his essence, the the very core of what he is. All he has, all, all the attributes that God has, the word has even though he's not the same person as God. When it comes to everything God is, all that you can accurately say about God can equally and accurately be said about Jesus. In the beginning, Jesus already was. In the beginning, he was with God, and in the beginning, he was God. In other words, God has been Jesus' identity from all eternity. There was never a time when Jesus was not God. That is what John 1.1 1, 1 says Now the question you should ask is Does the rest of the Bible agree with that? And the answer is absolutely And what I'm going to do I'm going to take you to the 10 strongest verses In the Bible that agree with what I just said John 1.1 1, 1 means That Jesus is God Okay. So stretch your fingers out a little bit We're going to go to 10 verses And uh, If you lose track I, I put them in your notes So you're welcome So keep your little ribbon here in John 1 and turn to John 5. John chapter 5. Jesus is arguing with the religious leaders. And he makes a statement that I've I've pointed out every single message that we've done in the book of John in this series, because I want you to think does Jesus claim to be God? Yes, he does. John John five seventeen. Jesus answered them My Father is working until now, and I am working. Like, oh, that's interesting. Great. Verse 18 explains the meaning. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, their, their wrong understanding of it, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself what? Equal with God. That's Jesus, by the way, saying that. Turn to John 20. John 20. So John, the author, begins his book, chapter 1, verse 1, declaration Jesus is God, and then he ends his book, chapter 20, at the end, before the epilogue, and says, Jesus is God. Remember Thomas? He's doubting, right? Do you remember what he was doubting? He's doubting the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. I'm not going to believe it until I see him. Okay. Jesus shows up, says, hey, touch me here, touch me there. Can you see? I'm real. So believe thomas chapter 20 verse 28 answered him my lord and my god now that is not thomas going boy they wow that's amazing my god wonderful jewish people do not use the word god flippantly like 21st century americans and some will say this he looked at jesus and said my lord but then he looked up to heaven and said my god what does the text say though it says Thomas answered him. Thomas looked at him, the resurrected Christ, and said, My Lord and my God. Now turn to Acts 20, 28. Acts 20, 28. Paul is talking to the elders in the church of Ephesus, and he wants them to know how precious the people are that they get to lead. In the local church, and he says to them, Acts twenty twenty-eight, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Why? To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So according to Acts twenty twenty-eight, who died on the cross and shed his blood for the church? Right, you would say Jesus, but what does the text say? The text says God did that. Why? Because Jesus is God. Now turn one book to the right, Romans chapter 9. Romans 9. The uh, author here is Paul, and he is talking about all the benefits of being Jewish. And yet, in all of their benefits, they reject their Messiah. Not forever, though. They will be revived. They will all come to Christ eventually. Chapter 9, verse 5. Paul is describing these benefits and he says to them to the Jews belong the patriarchs and from their race according to the flesh is the Christ who is what God over all so what is the New Testament teaching it is that Jesus is God over all now turn to Philippians chapter 2 five books to the right Philippians chapter 2 you following along so far making sense keeping up if you're not, again, I put it all in your notes. You're good to go. Philippians chapter 2. Paul here is, is encouraging this group of Christians. Hey, you need to uh, consider others more important than yourself. You need to uh, look out for other people's interests, not just your own. And why do you need to do that? Because that's what Jesus did. And then he, he, then he reminds them of this. Verse 5. Have this mind, this humble, others-focused mind. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, which we saw two weeks ago means that he's in the very nature of God. And how do we know that? Because the next phrase, did not count equality with God. Equal level, equal worship, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, held on to tightly so as not to let go, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. The idea there is that you and I are supposed to consider each other more important than ourselves. Why? Because that's the way Jesus treated us when he left heaven and came here. Turn one book to the right, book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. A lot of false teaching running around this church in Colossae. And, and Paul wants to protect the people from that. And so he talks about, hey, these are things that are are, are are being taught in your area. Maybe even taught in your church. And, and that stuff can capture you and, and, and steal you and, and turn you into treasure for false teachers. He said, but you don't need to go after any of that. Why? Because you have everything you need in Christ. Look at verse 9. In him, in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily not partially not almost the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily in jesus why because jesus is god turn five books to the right titus chapter two Titus chapter 2, here Paul's talking about the grace of God and how when God's grace shows up and invades a person's life, it saves them, verse 11. It trains them, verse 12. And some of the result of that training is that the the, the person who's been saved and is growing is now waiting for Jesus to return. Titus 2, 13. Waiting for our blessed hope, which is the rapture. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of God. Of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is not our great God, comma, and Savior, Jesus Christ. God and Savior both describe Jesus. Because he is not only the Savior, he is God. Turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Two books to the right, Hebrews chapter 1. The author here is describing how much better Jesus is than, than anything else in the universe. Nothing is better than him. That's the argument. And as he continues to make that argument, he starts with Jesus is better than angels, which is interesting because some want to say that Jesus is an angel, just the highest and greatest angel. And what he does, the author, is that he, he puts God's word, he, he, puts, he puts the Father's words on the paper and says, this is what God the Father says about the Son. You can see it in verse 5. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? Answer, none of them. Now drop down to verse 8. He's giving these different statements. Here's what the father says about the son. And then he gets to verse 8. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever. So here's the father speaking to to the son. And says, "Your throne, O God, Here's the Father calling the Son God. The scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you. So therefore God, I'm speaking to you, your God, which is me, I've anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Just two more. Turn to Second Peter chapter one. 2 Peter chapter 1, three books to the right. A lot of false teachers running around. And Peter wants to protect them. Protect this church from those false teachers. And in verse 1, he starts, he just drops the, the hammer right at the beginning. Because this is where he knows false teachers are going. So he starts, he he starts his letter with this proclamation. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, God and Savior both describe Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is God. One more text, 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, one book to the right. John loves this teaching that Jesus is God. He wants everybody to embrace it. He starts his book with it. He ends his gospel with it. And then he ends his letter with it. Look at verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true what? He is the true God and eternal life. And just in case you want to deviate from that, look at verse 11, "Little children, keep yourself from idols. Keep yourself from every false God, because you already have the one true God. The one true God, verse 20, is Jesus Christ. So turn back to John 1:1. Just put all that together now. What does that mean? What is that about? What is, what is that saying? Let's be clear about what we're saying and be clear about what we're not saying. If you're like, okay, well, I just put it in a box on your notes and so you can follow along. What are we saying? First, Jesus is fully God, not partially God. He's deity, not just divine. He is God, not God-like. The fullness of deity dwells in Jesus because he is God. Second, Jesus is truly God, not a false God. He's not a rival to the one true God. What did we just see in 1 John 5, 20? He is the one true God. Third, Jesus is eternal. That's that's John 1, 1. He's not created. He wasn't made God. He wasn't given the office of God. He didn't become a God. He didn't graduate into Godhood for being a good little boy, for being obedient. Jesus was and always has been God. Fourth, Jesus is God, but he is not the Father. Jesus is himself the Father is himself. Why? Because the text says <clears throat> the Word was with God. An eternal community. Fifth, Jesus is God, but he's not an additional God. There's not more than one God. John is not a polytheist, believing in more than one God. So you put all those five, those five together. If you've wondered how Christians came up with this like, idea of the Trinity... One God, three persons, the Father. I I give you that little diagram there in your notes. Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God, but the Father's not the Son, the Son's not the, the, the Spirit, the Spirit's not the Father, and vice versa. If you ever wondered where that came from, it comes from verses like John 1, 1 that say, Jesus is with God, and Jesus is God, and yet there is one God. And by the way, in the rest of the Bible, all the titles for God are used of Jesus, So he's called Lord, and God, and Yahweh, and Jehovah, and God with us, and mighty God, and God over all, and and our great God, and the one true God. All of that's said about God, but it's said about Jesus, because Jesus is God. Descriptions for God that only God has, that are only accurate to be said about God, are said about Jesus. Like he's eternal. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipresent. He's present everywhere. He's omnipotent. He has all power. Like God, Jesus is called unchanging. Like God, he's the creator of all things. He's the sustainer of all things. He holds all things together. He controls all things. He forgives sin. He raises the dead. John 5, 10, 17, and 18 says that Jesus actually raised himself from the dead. He saves people from their sins. He is the final judge of all who will ever live. And on top of that, in the Bible, you see worship of Jesus. You see people praying to Jesus. You see people trusting in Jesus. People are baptized in the name of Jesus on the same level as God the Father and God the Spirit. Why? Because what is said about God in the Bible is also said about Jesus because, let's say it together, Jesus what? Is God. Having said all that, Every non-Christian disagrees with Christianity on this one fact. And both can't be right. Either Jesus is God or he's not God. There's not like a middle ground there. You think about it. Jewish people deny that. He's a false prophet. If they didn't deny that, if they embraced that Jesus is God, they, they'd be Christians. Muslims deny it. He's just a you know, prophet. Mormons say he's God. Yeah, but he's not eternal God. He's created He hasn't always been God. He became God through his obedience. However, there's one group that just seems to exist to challenge this truth that Jesus is God. It's almost like this is their war. They are a war against this idea that Jesus is God. And listen, John 1.1 is their battlefield. The group I'm talking about is the Jehovah's Witnesses. This is the group my cousin wasn't able to answer. He and his wife had recently been baptized in a church just like this one. But in no time, Jehovah's Witnesses came knocking. They were challenged about who they see Jesus is. The deception takes hold. They're still Jehovah's Witnesses today. Their kids have traveled all over the world spreading this idea that Jesus is not God. It's because Jehovah's Witnesses emphatically deny everything I've said about Jesus so far. All of it. They published hundreds of millions of pieces of literature against Jesus being God. They have their own translation of the Bible now that denies Jesus is God. And they knock on hundreds of doors a year ready to refute the idea that Jesus is God. They're sincere. They're committed. Some are even aggressive when it comes to tearing down this truth that Jesus is God. And the point of me bringing bringing this up is to tell you they're coming for you. They want you. You are the treasure. Converting you, getting you out of here, a, 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 a church like this one, getting you out of here is their prize, is their goal. You have a target on your back, and they want you. And you know where they're going to take you? They're going to take you to john 1 1 what happened to my cousins i do not want to happen to you and it is a very real thing that could if you meet them you will be challenged so before we get to how to answer the challenge point number two let's be aware of the challenge against the word was god be aware of the challenge against the word was god now, I don't usually do this to you, but I'm, gonna, I'm going full Bible nerd on you today. All right, sorry about that. I'm going to do it for your good. It's going to hurt me more than it hurts you. All right, but I'm going to risk taking it up a notch and being misunderstood because they use obscure terms. They use ideas we don't think about very often to deceive people into embracing lies. I have to do this because this is what they will do to you. They do not play softball. They play hardball on this and they will take it up a notch to sound smart and trustworthy. So we need to be able to do the same. What will their challenge sound like? Well, before we get to that, I need to take you all the way back to third grade. All right? Third grade English grammar. I got to take you back there and then I need to drop a little Greek on you, but I promise it won't hurt. All right? So English grammar first. English has two articles. One is called the definite article. The other is called the indefinite article. The definite article is the word the. You didn't know the had a name, but it, but it does. It's, it's the definite article. It defines what you're talking about. So you say, pick the watermelon off the vine. What does that mean? That means pick that specific one. It's definite. It's clear. Pick that one. Now there's an indefinite article in English, and that is the word a. A a is not specific at all pick a watermelon off the vine means what pick whichever one you want doesn't matter I'm not being specific you following me so far did that hurt you know okay good third grade is coming back right on now Greek has an article too the Greek article ha looks like our letter o so that's the article in Greek could mean the could mean all kinds of things it's used in a bunch of different ways that we're going to see in a minute. And the last thing you need to know is that Greek does not have an indefinite article, like R.A. Doesn't have one of those. Now, in the ESV, the last phrase in John 1.1 1, 1 reads, and the word was God. You can see that in your Bible or on the screen. I want to show you what this looks like in Greek. Greek is the language the New Testament was written in. That says, Kai ain ha-lagos. That's what that says. Transliterated, that says, "And God was the Word." You can see all the lines that connect the English to the to the Greeks. So you know how to translate it. Now, the Jehovah's Witnesses have their own translation. It's called the New World Translation, and at John one one, they make a slight change to the ESV. You see that there, and the word was what? A God, a God. So they knock on your door. And you now have two translations of the same verse. Both claim to be right. Both, beyond being right, both claim to be what? They claim to be the word of God. So which one is right? Now here's what the challenge is going to sound like. So when I've talked to JWs, Jehovah's Witnesses, they sound like this. Do you go to church? Yes, I, I go to Redeemer Church. Great, do you trust your pastors? I typically don't tell them who I am you know do you trust your Bible do you trust that what the English says in your Bible is an accurate reflection of what the Greek says why yes of course I do 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 they teach that Jesus is God at your church well of course it's like Christianity 101 right first word John 1 1 the word was God now if you're not ready for the challenge they have you right there you know why because they have spent dozens of hours studying their material on John one, You probably not even spent dozens of minutes studying it. Then they go beyond that. Then when they get together at church, part of that time is spent pretending to be Christians. So you be the Christian now. And then they do all our arguments to them. And then they respond and then they switch. Okay, I'll be the Christian now and, and you, you get me. And then add to that, by the time they get to you, they've probably talked to dozens of Christians about John 1.1. So they already know what you're going to say. So they're ready. And here's how it'll go. That's interesting, John 1.1. Let's Isaiah 1.18, they'll say, let's reason together, though your sins are like scarlet, they may be white as snow. Hey, I want that for you. And so let's talk. If you look at the Greek text of John 1.1, the word God does not have an article. Like the word, word. You can see it up there. The the little O is before logos. It's before the word. It's not before theos. It's not before God. Since God doesn't have the article, that means it's indefinite. And therefore should be translated like our Bibles have it. The word was a God. Your translation shows an unbiblical bias towards Jesus being God. But God says there's only one God and there's no God beside him. Now, listen, we honor Jesus as Jehovah's Witnesses. He's he's the Savior. He's the Son of God. He's the greatest being in all creation. He, He died on the cross for our sins. But if you can't trust your Bible here, where else can't you trust it? Hey, you know, has your pastor told you about this? I'm sure he hasn't. And if he's keeping that from you, I wonder what else he's keeping from you. You know what? I can show you. I love you. I want what's best for you. I want your sins to be white as snow. I'll show you where they're keeping you from the truth. Now, I've talked to four Jehovah's Witnesses this weekend, former Jehovah's Witnesses, and every single one of them have said, that is an accurate representation of conversations you will have with Jehovah's Witnesses. That is the gist of their challenge. So the question is, what would you say? Would you have an answer would you be like a lady I talked to last night who said, I just tell them I'm a Christian and get out of here, you know? <laughs> or would you listen to them and be deceived? I don't want you to be deceived. I want you to be prepared. And listen, if you're a Jehovah's Witness watching this or listening to this, I want you to know that I love you and I want the truth to set you free from the brainwashing that you've received you're going to do that by point number three let's be prepared to defend the word was god be prepared to defend the word was god look back at john 1 1 again i want you to be prepared i don't want you to be afraid i don't want you to pretend you're not home i don't want you to look dumb i want you to know that your bible can be trusted and their bible should not be trusted i want you to minister to them not run from them I want you to love them with the truth. If they knock on your door, they are not your enemies. They are your mission field. The enemy is the people who deceive them. And that enemy's lies can be broken by the power of God's word understood correctly. I know this truth may be established in some of your hearts. Jesus is God. It's established. I haven't taught you anything. But I need to equip you to share it with other people. And for others in this room, if this truth is not established in your heart yet, you're defenseless against false teachers. This last point, therefore, is about protecting you from wolves. Because John 1-1 is the entry point of their attack. So how should you answer? What would you say to your Bible is hiding the truth of John 1-1? The accurate translation is that the word was a God. I'm going to give you seven ways to defend, seven ways to defend that Jesus is God in John 1.1. 1, 1. And good news, unlike last night, I went back early hours of the, of the, the morning and uh, I wrote it down all for you and put it on your notes. So you got it all right there. I did it all for you. You're welcome. You're welcome. You see that? Someone just found it. They're like, oh, that's awesome. But I'm going to go through these quickly with you. So, like one lady after last year was like, you went through that really fast. Ah, sorry about that, but this is all being recorded so you can watch it over again. All right, first. How do you respond to that? You say first, the Greek article, the O is more than the word the. The O is before the word word in the Greek text there to show that word is the subject of the sentence. Remember second grade? Simple sentences have a subject a verb and a predicate all the eight-year-olds are like yeah that's right that's right yeah subject verb predicate well in greek word order is all over the place unlike english it's, it's all over, it could be all over the place so how do you know which word should be the subject go before the verb and which word should be the predicate going after the verb answer the article the article is how that is to be done The word that doesn't have the article is the word that comes after the verb. That's how you know that it is is the predicate. It comes after the verb because it doesn't have the article. So what John wrote should be read exactly like the ESV has it. The word was God. Now, second, that God doesn't have the article is on purpose. It not only shows that it's the predicate of the sentence, but if God had the article, if the Greek read kai halagos, if it read the God was the word or the word was the God, if that's what the Greek said, it would turn the word was into an equal sign, which would make God and the word interchangeable. In other words, if God and the word both had the article, John would be saying God is one person and that one person is the word. Well, we know that's not true because what's the second phrase say? Second phrase says what? The word was what? With God. He would contradict himself in the very next line if he put an article before the word God and said the word was the God. No, without the article, John is consistent that Jesus is God and yet he is also a separate person. He is with God the Father. He is not God the Father. How does John make that clear? He does it with the article. Third, the word God without the article refers to quality. I said this before. It refers to what kind of person the word is. He has the quality of deity. He is in the class of God. He's not in the class of angels. He's not in the class of humans. He's not in the class of animals. He is in this unique class called God. So leaving God without the article, that's what John is conveying. He has the quality, the attributes, the essence of of what the word is. The word is God. The word Jesus is in the God class. Only three have the quality of deity and the word is one of those three. Who are the other? It's the Father and the Spirit. So God not having the article, which is what they point to and say, okay, this is proof that, that you should translate this a God. John not putting the article there is actually proof that their translation is wrong. And then you add to that, if God without the article must be translated a God, why don't they do that consistently? Look at verse six. What your Bible says in verse six is exactly what their Bible says in verse six. In their Bible, verse six does not read, there was a man sent from a God whose name was John. But God there in Greek doesn't have the article. So why don't they translate it as a God there? Look at verse 12. Their verse 12 doesn't say he gave them the right to become children of a God. If God without the article should be translated a God, why not there? Also, their verse 18 doesn't say no one has ever seen a God. I'm going to go real Bible nerd on you right now. There are 282 instances of God without the article in the New Testament. 282. And in their Bible, they translate God without the article as God, not a God, 266 times. 94% of the time, when the Greek says God without the article, their Bible translates it as, they, as God, not a God. So why do they translate 1-1 one, one as a God? But almost nowhere else? Answer, their translation is biased. Their translation is not based on the Greek text at all. Fifth, why is, and by the way, number five, that's why no reputable Greek scholar supports their translation. Whether you go to UCLA or the most Christian of seminaries, You learn Greek, you will not find one that will say what the Jehovah's Witnesses have is accurate. And what they try to do is they'll either pull some fringe scholar, it's like, oh yeah, it says a God, like one that they used to really put up and say, this guy says a God in his translation. You find out when you do the study that this guy translated his Bible through his wife who was a medium. So the spirits were saying to her to tell him, hey, put a God there. So they don't don't point to him anymore. And what they do is they take uh, Christian Greek scholars, they take real Greek scholars, and they take them out of context. And you know what happens there? Those scholars come out with press releases and say, what the JWs, what they did to me is wrong. Jesus is God, not a God. That's also why, number six, no major English translation for the past 500 years has the translation a God. The Greek has been being translated into English for 500 years. You can go back and look. You can take out your Bible app and you can go through all the English translations in the Bible app at John one, and you will not find a God in any of them. So, are you telling me that in 500 years of translating this verse, everybody got it wrong except for Jehovah's Witnesses? to answer that question, to ask that question is to answer it right and then seventh to put a god in john 1 1 makes john a polytheist a believer in more than one god saying a god makes the word jesus a second god in addition to god the father now they might respond like this the bible calls angels and human judges gods which it does So John is just saying that Jesus is an angel, which is what we believe. Jesus is Michael, the archangel, the greatest of all God's angels. Here's the problem, though. The problem is this. The first phrase in John 1 1 says the word was what? The word was eternal. Before all things, the creator of all things. If the word is a God, it has to be a second God because it's eternal. And only God is eternal. Hence, polytheism. So for John, a Jew, monotheism is a foundational doctrine that his people recited daily for over a millennia. So he would never say a God. That that violates everything he believed as a Jewish person. There is only one God. The Father is God, the Son, the Word, Jesus is God, and the Spirit are that one God. That's not three gods. That's one God, three persons. That's the Trinity. And here's an eighth one, you know, just for free. It's not in your notes, but their translation, a God contradicts the other passages in John and the other passages we saw in the new Testament, which all proclaim Jesus is God. So do you see the genius of this little five word phrase by leaving the word God without the article? John avoids modalism, the lie that Jesus is the father and is the spirit, one God, one person. And he also avoids polytheism that Jesus is a second God. In addition to the father, So John, like he stays firmly on the path of truth, avoiding both cliffs of air on either side. And he does that simply by not putting that little O before the word God. The very thing that they say proves their view actually disproves their view. Now with all that information, what do you do with that? You take that handout that I gave you, you cut it out, and you paste it in your Bible. And where do you paste it? John one why because you're not going to remember any of that (laughs) and neither am I I don't need to remember it I just need to be able to recall it in the moment and how am I going to do that I'll just tape it in the margins you know and I'm ready to go I'm ready to go if someone tries to deceive me I'm ready to love them with the truth well what do we do with all of that How do we we take all that and make it something that that, that matters? What's the point? Well, in a world that's changing, it's not like it used to be and probably not how you'd like it to be. Jesus can be a sure and steady anchor for your soul because he is God. If Jesus is God, if he is the king over all kings and Lord over all lords, he will have the victory. No one can stop him. No one can slow him down. Why? Because he is God. So you don't have to cave to the pressure to water things down, water the truth down. Hey, I'm not sure, you know, I don't want to offend you. Why? Be bold. Because Jesus is God. Don't be mean. Don't don't be a jerk. But speak the truth in love. Second, if you want to know God, study, meditate on, and stand in awe of Jesus. He's the word. He's the revelation of God. Everything that's true of God is also true of Jesus. So to know Christ is to know God. Third, Jesus should be worshiped. He should be prayed to. He should be trusted in. You're doing the right thing when you pray to him. You're doing the right thing when we sang songs earlier to him. That's right to proclaim him savior, Lord, friend, all of those things. It's right to worship him and to live for him and to sacrifice for him and to obey him and to give your life to him. He is everything to you. Not almost everything because he's not God. He can be everything to you. Why? Because he is God. If you're like, "Ah, I just have trouble wrapping my mind around worshiping Jesus, just consider this. To save you from the hell you deserve for your sins, God became a man. Just think about that. And then died in your place on the cross. Listen, the... That, that one fact will be the subject of worship for endless ages of eternity. Because Jesus is God. Finally, many people are going to say, you know, come on, what's the big deal? So you have a theological disagreement with Jehovah's Witnesses. God doesn't care. He's not petty. He doesn't care about these little details. You know, let's just all get along. Well, this actually is a big deal. I mean, if you think about it, everything hinges on this. If Jesus is not God, think about this. If he is not God, but we worship him as God, that has a name. You know what that name is? It's idolatry. It's idolatry. That's the worship of a false God. That's not okay. That's blasphemy. But if Jesus is God, and we refuse to worship him as God and we use our lives to get others to do the same, that's also blasphemy. That's encouraging people to reject the true God. So either way, words like idolatry and blasphemy kind of sound like the definition of a big deal. See, if Jesus is the person John says he is, then everyone who disagrees with John, everyone who says Jesus is not God, they're not choosing a different flavor of Jesus' ice cream. They've got the wrong guy. And having the wrong guy has eternal consequences. Why? First John 5, 20 again. Jesus is the true God and eternal life. God is a big deal. Eternal life is a big deal. And the two are inseparably connected. You can't have one without the other. There is no eternal life apart from God. And Jesus gives eternal life because he is God. The question I wanna leave you with is has he given that to you? Let's pray. Jesus, it is right to pray to you now because you're God. I pray that these truths would solidify for some what they already believe about you and would give them what they need to share these truths with other people and for some who weren't sure when they came in here, I pray that this message will help them, will solidify, will we'll strengthen the weakness so that the, that the wolves, the false teachers, have no entry into their hearts through John 1.1. Jesus, we now see through a glass darkly, but one day we will see you clearly. We will see you in all of your glory And we will bow to you, our Lord and our God. Until that day, be the vision, be the passion, be the obsession of our lives for the glory of your name. Amen.